0: It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show. And today we're back at the G1 climax. We're at Takamatsu City General Gymnasium for nights 9 through nights 11. And for night 12, I believe they were in the same place. Oh no, it was Fukuoka Citizens Gymnasium on uh, night 12 of New Japan G1 Climax Tournament there. And to join me to discuss this today is one of the original G1 people on the Troopany show for the first time in a long time. Will you please welcome Mr. Alex Wed- Ed- Alex Edwards. How are you, sir? <laughs> Almost got a new
1: name there. Uh, yeah, Alex, Alex Wedwards. Ed- <laughs> Not sure what sort of connotations that might have, but yeah, um... Yeah, we're in the middle of the G1. It's Wrestling Christmas and we're right in the middle of it and things have really, I don't know, it's been a, a really interesting tournament with some of these names we've got in here. Uh Some really good matches and yeah, I'm excited to talk about this today.
0: I am too. I mean, it's nice to uh, have a different voice on because we've talked to Marcus a lot, we talked to Ash a lot. So having a different set of opinions on uh, how this information has in this tournament has gone forward it will be really really cool. Not to say that Ash and Marcus are not cool. They're very cool too. But it's nice to have a different voice today. So we start off as we said we was on night 11. We were in Takamatsu 2820. Ten minutes has been pretty good throughout this tournament. Uh they started this started the show off with chaos, Oroki Goto and Yoshihashi they defeated Yot- and oh sorry and Yotisuji. They defeated Tomiykahoma, Tomohiroishi and U8 Uimura in nine minutes and 24 seconds. Ren Rita and Torayano defeated John Moxley and Shota Umino in their continuing story. Shota has now become Shooter. Uh, Bullet Club, Chase Owens, J. White, and Yujiro Takahashi with Gado defeated Minoru Suzuki Taichi and Yoshinui Kanamura. Los, <laughs> Los Ignorables de Hapon, Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Nato defeated Jeff Cobb, Juice Robinson, and Toa Henry in 9 minutes 27. And then we got to the business end. Of proceedings. Kotrabushi defeats Bad Luck Farley with Chase Owens and Jado in nine minutes and 27 seconds. Bad Luck Farley stuck on two points. I think most people would have had him up further than that, but he's kind of been the fall guy in the block A this year. Kotrabushi sneaks another one, uh, looking good for the block final, maybe. What do we think, Alex?
1: I would say so, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we're recording this after the first of the Osaka shows has happened. And so we're not going to spoil anything because, you know. Because I haven't uh, seen it yet. <laughs> it yet. But yeah, I mean, things are, are looking good for Ibushi. Farley, uh, though, yeah, it's been a, a weird year for him. I mean, last year we had the whole deal with him and Tamatonga doing the whole disqualification thing, where they just basically, their mission rather than winning the G1 was to try and ruin it by just getting disqualified and all the interference and all that stuff, which if you go back to last year's G1 review shows and listen, I don't think many of us here on the True Phenies show were fans of what was going on. No. There. Um, we, could
0: see, we could see the point, but it still made it difficult to watch.
1: Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately they've sort of carried that on a bit with Farley this year where, yes, he's been more serious and there's been less of the I mean, there's only been what one disqualification for him so far yeah, that was um, against we lost Bray. Yeah, but I mean, his matches have still been full of the interference. They he's not not really had any great matches. Which don't get me wrong, Farley can have really good matches against the right opponents, and you would think Kota Ibushi would be one of those opponents that he'd be able to get a really good match against. But... He had
0: a cook He had a with him last year at the G One. Exactly. exactly.
1: yeah. Him and it was Okada. a proper wrestling
0: match.
1: Exactly. And him and Okada, him and Tanahashi, they're usually really solid matches. This year, though, not so much. And this was another one where there was a lot of reliance on that interference. A lot of Chase Owens and Jado on the outside doing their stuff, which is fine, but it's not really what I come to the G1 to watch. And yeah, I mean, this was okay, but I feel like, I'm not sure if I would put Farley back into the G1 next year. I think his time's passed a bit.
0: A little too Memphis for your taste, sir. Just a bit. Yes, just a tad. There's a level of Memphis that's all right in New Japan Pro Wrestling. In fact, Chase Owens by himself is just the right level of Memphis.
1: Mm. And, yeah, so Chase, I mean, I've only watched sort of bits and pieces of the undercards on these shows. But him in the six-man tags and stuff like that, he's decent and that's his sort of role is to be that kind of guy in those undercards but when you start getting it into what's meant to be a prestigious tournament match like this it sort of it, it gets in the way of it for me
0: yeah speaking of which the next match was Zack Sabre Jr and Will Ospreay now Zack Sabre Jr has forsaken his mentor um, Takamichi there um, and hasn't done particularly very well <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but I um, mean we all know that the real cause of it all is
0: Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Of course, as we mentioned in the last episode, Boris Johnson's election to prime minister is causing a major distraction for Zack Sabre Jr as it is most people in this country. Um so yeah, uh, it, I mean it is hard to concentrate on a wrestling tournament when you think there might be Armageddon tomorrow. So uh yeah, Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay, four points each, 20 minutes and two seconds, was a blind as you'd expect. Now, these two guys have wrestled each other in progress, <laughs> in Red Pro, all over the country for the last six or seven years and always seem to produce the goods. What's your thoughts on Mr. Ospreay's growth into the heavyweight division? Because we haven't talked to you pretty much since he became a heavyweight and crossed that line between junior and heavyweight. And what do you think of Zach's chances in the rest of the tournament, given his number of losses this time around?
1: Yeah. So starting with Will Ospreay, I mean, it has been a while since I've come on and spoken about any of this kind of stuff. Um, And since I last came on, he has, as you said, made sort of the jump into the heavyweight division. Now, I guess he's still sort of floating that weird line, along with Shingo uh, Takagi. He's sort of floating that line between junior and heavy. And I guess this tournament has been sort of their their final push forward in towards getting into the heavyweight division. I think Mm. he's done really, really well. His performances in this tournament have been really, really great. I mean, I don't think he's had a bad match. Uh, I mean, when when your worst rating for matches are, yeah, that was really good. (laughs) You're not doing badly. Um, Yeah, I think he's done really well. And you've seen him sort of switching up that style with, you know, the harder strikes and stuff like that, which makes up for the size difference, similar to how Zack Sabre Jr. does it, where he's got the size difference as well, but he makes up for it with his submissions. And I really like that, how, you know, just because they might be, quote-unquote, undersized, they, they find a way around that with a creative wrestling style, and I really like what he's been doing in this tournament. And this match was another example of that, where you have two guys who obviously they know each other really well. They face each other a bunch of times before and their styles work well together. And this was just, it was a really a good match. And I thought it was especially cool that this was the first time that you've ever had two British wrestlers facing each other in the gym. Mm. It's a little bit of like a historical match as well, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, Zach in this tournament, yeah, the whole story's been he's sort of, for whatever reason, completely fallen apart. But I think this is where he's sort of turned it around a bit, where in a promo earlier in the week, he said, you know, I'm, out of G- I'm mathematically out of the G1 now, but my mission is now to spoil it for everyone else, and I'm just going to play the spoiler and try and just take it away from other people, which is exactly what he did here, because by beating Will Ospreay here, Will is now eliminated from the G1. And so I like that story of him being the guy that basically he's the the whiny dickhead basically that's now just trying to spoil everything. <laughs> this is fun, and I like. I think that works well for him. He does well with that sort of story.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it. I think it's just you know just being an annoyance is is the ideal thing for Zack Saber Junior. To be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then we'll move on to the next match. Kazuchika Okada defeats Lance Archer in 14 minutes and 15 seconds. Now, I say this to everybody, Alex, but when we started this tournament, did you think Lance Archer would be the most talked about person in this tournament?
1: No, not at all. It's, It's really weird because, obviously, we've been following New Japan for about five or six years now, and Lance Archer's been one of those guys who, he's been around, usually in a tag team, He's done his stuff, but he's never really stood out. And now he's been, for whatever reason, he's taken this chance to really push himself and show some really fantastic performances. Just, it's it's just odd that every single match he has seems to be really, really good. And he's really shown a new side of himself, which I've really been impressed by, as has pretty much everyone else I've seen talking on Twitter or anywhere else about the G1. Lance Archer, as you said, is that name that comes up of, oh, and Lance Archer has been doing really well. Have you seen this match by Lance Archer? It's like, that is a sentence I don't want anyone say. Have you seen this Lance Archer match? It was really great. But that's what we've been getting. Um, and this, again, I don't think this is one of his best matches, which is a bit of a shame when it's against Okada. you think that this would be sort of a showcase match which you really want to put on a great performance. And it was good. But I think his matches earlier in the tournament against, I mean, Will Osprey, for example, that match with Will Osprey was fantastic. Um, yeah. But yeah, a good performance. I'm kind of surprised they didn't... Well, hmm, I say surprised, but not really, that they didn't give Archer the win here. I mean... Yeah. So far, up to this point, Okada is undefeated, and... I don't know, it seems like unless the story they're going with is Okada goes all the way, wins the G1 for, what, the first time the champion wins it since the year 2000, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, unless that's the story, then Okada needs to start getting some losses in here because yeah. it's at the point where if he keeps winning, everyone else in the block's going to be eliminated mathematically because he's going to have a, a tiebreaker win over them. And so... Yeah. We need to start getting some losses on his record to be able to, I guess, keep things interesting. Unless the story is undefeated champion, which that's a fine story, but I, it's not sort of the thing that I would expect them to do. Um, no, Archer, I thought, might be able to play sort of the role that Bad Luck Farley's played in previous years, where he's the big guy that can get a win over anyone because he's a big, strong guy. And it just, it makes sense that the size... Is the
0: reason he won? They were kind of, but kind of setting this up as the setting that up as well. Because when Ibushi, when he wrestled Ibushi, he lost to two Kamogoye, because the first Kamogoye was no, showed no effect on him whatsoever. Yeah, and it so took two to put him away. Exactly. So you're you were already laying like you were already laying the groundwork for like one Rainmaker isn't enough for this guy, which exactly. was really what turned, really what happened. But yeah, yeah,
1: you're setting him up as this this undefeatable monster that just because of the strength he has it takes so much more to put him down but i mean here you had you had some cool stuff in here i think the um the little the the finishing sequence where it's like dodging the ebd claw which is a really crap name for a move by the way uh (laughs) dodging that into the rainmaker was a nice finish i think there's some good stuff in here uh
0: Uh, yeah you've got kudos for archers old school into a moonsault which is just ridiculous. Yeah,
1: that is. It. So when I first saw that gif going around, I was like, what is this? Lance Arnott is <laughs> doing a springboard moonsault. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that just adds to what we were saying earlier about these crazy performances that he's been having. But yeah, this was a good match. I don't think it was his best, but it was a good match.
0: I think I think the, he may have struggled a little bit here because if you look at everybody else, they've been like normal sized wrestlers. And Carter isn't massive. But he's bigger than Kota Ibushi, and he's bigger than Will Ospreay, and he's bigger than Kenta and Sonada. Yeah, I mean,
1: Akada's what—he's over six feet tall, so he's, a he's six,
0: six four, five. yeah, six five. So you know, whereas uh, Archer's used to be uh, Archer at six eight is used to guys being five eleven, six one. So I think he kind—I of, I just think he kind of couldn't do the dominant thing he'd done with Ibushi and with uh, pardon me, he can't do the the dominant thing he'd done with the Ibushi and Ospreay, or or what Warrior will do with Sonada. So it was kind of like, mm, he didn't quite get everything rejigged in time to make this work. I, I guess, don't think.
1: I guess what you're going for is the classic, like Hulk Hogan versus the, the giant of the month or whatever. You have your top guy versus a giant monster, uh, which I think they did well here with that kind of story. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, I would agree, definitely. And Lance Archer is proving to be a well-worthy person. Uh, Somebody I follow on Twitter, I can't remember his name, this week said that uh, losing Killer Elite Squad has actually done both of them the world of good because David Boy Smith has had a very productive career in MLW since he went there. Um, And it's done Lance Archer a bunch of favours because he's had to try either, and he's done a really good job of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, what do you see for Archer following the G1? Where do you think this goes for him?
0: I think, uh, the, see, the trouble is there's not that many champions you could challenge in this block, is there? Because all the champions are in the other block. <laughs> the
1: only one basically is
0: Okada. The only one he's got is Okada. I could see, I could see Okada saying, you know, I was really impressed with your performance at G1 Climax. I'm giving you a world championship shot, and he's done that before. Back in the day, um, he challenged uh, Shinsuke Nakamura off of a G1 match slot or a New Japan Cup match slot where he got past Nakamura or he had a really good performance against Nakamura and he could pull that off as a singles wrestler. I'd really like to see him in the card over 25 minutes with a bit more time to kind of pace things out and not try to squeeze stuff in. I think that'd be really interesting.
1: Yeah, I could, have, I could see that. I think, yeah, for one of the sort of the B shows, I think that would be a good, a
0: good match. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the one thing this tournament has thrown up is, Lots of new cannon fodder for Ricardo, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that's always a good thing. You want your champion to have so many different options that they I mean not too many, but you know you know what I mean. You want options viable that challenges, come. yeah. Exactly. Um
0: yeah, the, I don't
1: know. I'm wondering if Archer's the kind of guy where they put him into either like the Never Division or the US title sort of picture. I could think like him and Juice Robinson I think could have a really good match.
0: Yeah, him and Moxley would have a really, yeah. really good match as well. Um I think, he, I think he'd work again. I think it'd be an interesting opponent for NATO over a longer program because of the way he just doesn't care. And NATO clearly pretends all the time that he doesn't care, but he actually mm. cares a quite great deal. And I think that would be a nice, nice dynamic between the two. I think he could do a lot of stuff with Archer. I think Archie's kind of like he's in the right place because his wrestling IQ is very, very good. Yeah. And he knows what he wants from a match and he knows how to get it there, he knows how to put things there you know, he's, he's been around, he's done a lot of things, knows how to present himself, because people forget he had four or five years in Impact Wrestling, so he knows how to present himself on TV really yeah, well.
1: He's, he's been wrestling for, like, what, 15 years or something like that, so... Yeah,
0: yeah. He's, he's not particularly the right side of forty. years old for the New Japan roster, but he looks fit enough and he works fast enough and he's damn sure tough enough.
1: Which makes it even weirder that he seems to be peaking now this late <laughs> in his career, but fair play to him, he's doing amazing things.
0: But, I mean, again, if you look at Killer Elite Squad, both of them were sidelined for the last two years with injuries. When Lance got injured, he'd come back, and then day- Harry'd get injured, and, and then he'd get injured when Harry came back. So, you know, it, it's not, he's not had a fair shake, really. And they've been trying to get Gorillas of Destiny over instead of Killer KES, and been using KES to get them over, I suppose, as well. So, I think change is a good at a rest for, for Lance Archer, definitely. Great. no. Yeah. Next up was Sonata. He defeated Kenta in 16 minutes and 10 seconds. I thought this was a slight upset, to be honest with you, the way Kenta has been performing lately and Sonata, uh, but Sonata definitely needed the wins because he has not shone in this tournament whatsoever. Uh, Having said that, I think this was a really good matchup, 16 minutes and 10 seconds, perhaps not as good as it could have been. And I think there was a lot of clash of styles in this particular matchup. And As the commentary both said, it was really interesting because Kenta is a King's Road guy and Sonata is a King's Road guy, but it's from two different branches of the King's Roads. Kenta started in All Japan Pro Wrestling and left with the Noah Exodus, and Sonata started in All Japan Pro Wrestling but was a product of the post-Noah Exodus. Um, and they do have similarities in their styles, but it was interesting to see that the differences were the kind of things that kind of caused themselves problems in this matchup. It wasn't awful, as nothing in this G1 has been, but it wasn't perhaps quite as good as it could have been. But they left plenty on the table for more should we want to go back to this matchup, which I think they will. What are your thoughts on this, Alex?
1: Yeah, I think you, you pretty much summed it up there. It was It was a good match, but it was, I guess, slightly underwhelming given the people involved in it you would have thought that these two would have clicked really well, but like you said, it was that sort of clash of styles a bit, sort of it never really got properly going. Um, And I think that's been a thing with Kenta throughout this tournament where some of his matches have been really great, but some have not quite clicked. And I guess some of that might be a transition to a new sort of style in New Japan or sort of working off, rust from being stuck in wwe's lower card for the past five years um Mm. i think yeah he's sort of he's been trying to build himself back up through this tournament and he's had some good matches but i don't think he's reached that peak yet um which i think he will do i think come later in this year you could see him getting a a title shot uh, like a power struggle or something like that and doing really well i think come wrestle kingdom i think he'll be in a prominent spot but thus far he's not really shown i think his full his full ability and Mm. sonata yeah what is going on with sonata in his tournament he's what got two four points at this point
0: four points by this point yeah
1: yeah which it's just I mean, I, I feel like we've said the same thing about Sonata in every G one since he's been in it. So the past like two or three G ones, Oh, this is gonna be Sonata's year. He's gonna do really well. <laughs> he's gonna really, he's gonna break through this year. He's gonna do it, and then he comes out with a really mediocre record, and it's like, oh, I, I guess not then. And he's yeah, back what you're... again, back in the tag team with Evil again. Another year of the same stuff again.
0: What you're saying is, he's is the new Yoshihashi.
1: Which is a real shame, because I think he's so much better than Yoshihashi.
0: Not,
1: <laughs> not to discredit Yoshihashi, but I think Tsunada's yes. potential is so much more than that.
0: I'm wondering, because this has been a curse of Japanese wrestlers for a long time. I'm wondering if it's because he is a former North Japan guy and a former Wrestle One guy. I and mean, He's not a New Japan product. Is that perhaps the reason why they're not getting behind him the way they want to? But they do get behind Ibushi. And he's, he's a DDT product.
1: Yeah, I mean, Okada wasn't originally a New Japan guy. He no, he to, wasn't. He was a Tory man guy who, uh, given he went through the New Japan Dojo, but still. he, were,
0: yeah. he was... yeah, so I'm thinking, I mean, it's like, yeah, the, the, Naito wasn't. He was an animal Hamaguchi guy, but he went through the New Japan Dojo as well. So I'm wondering if this is something to do with the fact that he spent the majority of his career somewhere else. And can you actually trust him to stay still?
1: Yeah, I mean, but like you said, the possible, the worst offender of that sort of thing is Ibushi, where he does just jump around whenever he feels like it. And yes, mm. they now locks him down into a contract, but still.
0: <laughs> if... you how know, come here still stay popped?
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could see with Ibushi, as soon as that contract's up, he's going to go off to, I don't know who, know, who knows how long that contract is, but say it's a, a three-year contract, and in three years' time, uh, All Japan has risen back up to become a major player. Who's to say Ibushi won't just jump over to All Japan and <laughs> carry on being a big star there? I think big... I feel like, Sanada is more of a a, a a more loyal player than Ibushi.
0: That was a big news out of All Japan this week. Yonaka, or last week, Yonakiyama has resigned as the president of All Japan and is just going to be a regular wrestler. He doesn't want to book anymore and Uh, He's moved back into the wrestling ring full time and is going to spend rededicate his life to pro wrestling, which is quite remarkable for a guy who's nearly 50 years old.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was a weird thing to see, a weird report, but I mean, fair enough. I mean, and all Japan are doing good things. They have been really picking up over the last year or so.
0: They have done. I think they've realized as well that they can't just... I mean, All Japan's done good houses. They're on a tour at the moment. And the daft the daf thing was their small show where they work with DDT and BJW and a couple of other companies actually drew a bigger house than their big show where it was all All Japan guys. Mm-hmm. So I think they've kind of realized that they can't just do it by themselves. And there is kind of a King's Road movement going on at the moment in Japanese wrestling between Noah and All Japan and BJW. And the companies that have come out of the Kings Road movement, they're kind of more willing to work together now because of the financial constraints caused by the fact that New Japan's really the only show in town and the other companies are trying to build momentum up and they're not afraid of working together and cooperating and swapping talents because it's just cheaper. And also, Yonakiyama has been one of those guys behind that kind of focus because he's not. He's not keeping a standard roster. There's a couple of guys, big names, who are are getting paid by contract, but everybody else is paid night by night. They're not running the bigger dojo as they used to because it cut costs and they're letting other companies take the slack of, like, actually, you know, the big money and they're using freelancers on a nightly basis. It's one of the reasons why a couple of people have left to go to other places. Um, I'm trying to think who did leave. There was oh, one of the reasons why Kanemura left was be to come to New Japan was because of that. So, yeah, but Yano has been the guiding line trying to right the ship of all Japan.
1: Which, yeah, I mean, it seems to be working well so far. Yeah, it's on a, a smaller scale at the moment. But I really could see them over the next couple of years picking things up.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: But, yeah, I mean, back to this match, it was, yeah, I mean, I guess on that topic, this is a match between two outsiders as well, which is a bit of an interesting one. Uh, Mm. and with kenta's whole story being trying to sort of prove himself as a new japan guy it was yeah it's an interesting story to follow along and i think so far he's not completely clicked um and i think this match was another one like that where yeah it was good but it wasn't as good as i think it could have been
0: no i think he's going to take a little while to get his groove back
1: Definitely. I mean, but I think.
0: But having said that, I think he's a worthy signing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just on name value alone, of uh, uh, maybe not to a, a more mainstream audience, but to sort of a a fan of Japanese wrestling, especially throughout the past ten, fifteen years, Kenta is a big name to have on your roster, and I think yeah, it's a good signing.
0: Yeah. Right then, we move on to the main event of that particular evening. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Evil had a bit of a blinder, it has to be said. 8, 8.0 from the cage match, guys. Four and three-quarter stars from the Wrestling Observer. 23 minutes and two seconds. Picking up where they left off last year, having another classic wrestling match. Tanahashi selling the knee and awful lot. Having to take more risks to put Evil away, but he takes the two points, which leaves him level with Kenta and Ibushi, but trailing Okada by four with only four matches left. This means that the A-block is proving to be very interesting indeed. Okada may run away with it, but the other guys are trying to keep him honest. That's the story so far. What's your thoughts on this main event, Alex?
1: Yeah, this match was fantastic. This is your classic sort of big main event match where both guys gave it everything. Uh, I think... I mean, we know that Tanahashi is a really great big match wrestler, but Evil time and again keeps proving that he is also one of those guys where when you put him in a big match like this, he puts on a fantastic performance. Um, you had some just some really just great wrestling in here. Um, a lot of your sort of cool reversal stuff towards the end. I like all the transitions in and out of the everything is evil. Um, and yeah, I just think overall a really good match with a lot of drama going into it. And it's like you said, both these guys... Uh, are sort of at the moment everyone's vying for that sort of second place behind Okada hoping to upset him towards the end and so it was cool to see the sort of as we got later into this map the sort of desperation between the two of them I thought it worked really well and yeah I mean Tanahashi getting the win here is it's always nice to see Tanahashi get a win I think I'm trying to think mathematically where, they, where that puts them all uh, in terms of who has wins over who and stuff like that. I can't quite figure it all out in my head at the moment. But, yeah, a, a good match. And I think both guys have shown some good stuff in this tournament so far.
0: Yeah, I would agree with it. It's been uh, been a wonder to watch both of them wrestle, to be honest with you. Right, then, we move on to the next night, which was the Bot night. Like we said, that was from uh, Fukuoka, Japan. And we had a bullet club. That was bad luck. Farley Chase Owens, a new year attack at Ashley. They defeated Clark Connors, Cal Fredericks and Kenta. Suzuki I uh, So by the way, that's interesting because they've kind of painted Kenta as a regular army guy, which I suppose he is. But he's not really, is he? <laughs> well, I guess
1: he's, he's more paired with the LA Dojo people. Yeah, so they've had Kenta teaming up quite a lot of the LA Dojo people, uh, which I don't know, I found it interesting that you've had Shibata come out On commentary for quite a few of their matches, or quite a few of Kenta's matches. Um, I'm wondering if they're trying to set up a faction there with sort of a a Shibata-gun kind of thing, where you have Shibata leading things with, I mean, Kenta, a couple of of the LA Dojo guys, and maybe Goto as well, who's been wearing that shirt for all his matches. I'm wondering if maybe when it comes to the... Uh, the tag league later in the year we have a team with kenta and goto with sort of the la dojo guys as their underlings
0: i think so i think that's probably where they're going probably not like an actual like um tournament it's not tournament not actually like faction but more along the lines of just like a loose grouping of people because goto was like the other guy in the other block but he's still a member of chaos and a very proud member of chaos so i think it's more likely to be along those lines would you agree yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm wondering if they're going to do something with Goto finally. I mean, yes, he is, you know, a Chaos guy, but since he joined Chaos, what's, re- what's he really done?
0: Yeah, that is true. He's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think how, how to describe it. He's kind of like done what he was supposed to have done, which is kind of found himself again and found his success again. But it wasn't really anything to do with chaos too much. I guess. I guess. Well, actually, well, there's a match we'll talk about later on this night, which kind of like was part of that story. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right then. Okay, so we'll move on to the next night. So uh, where was we? Oh yeah, Suzuki-gun, uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Saber Junior. One of the best tag teams actually in pro wrestling. In the mean, defeated Suzuki-gun, uh, Lance Archer and Yoshi Newbaker in five minutes. Kotrabushi and Toa Henry and Tamaka Honma defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, Narita, and Shota Umano in a ninth where the where the crews wrestled the crews, basically. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, Will Osprey, and Yoshihashi, who are, of course, Chaos, defeated L.I.J., Bushi, Evil, and Sonata. And in the start of the tournament matches, Jeff Cobb defeated Shingo Takagi in 12 minutes and 27 seconds. This was very good for what it was, for two guys are kind of a bit mismatched in size. Takagi is obviously used to working from over the top as the biggest guy in the junior heavyweight division, but this one actually matched up quite well, power versus power. I enjoyed it; it was fun. Uh, Takagi four points is the is the got the is the taking up the slack in the back end of the block. Jeff Cobb on six points means him joint second place. What's your thoughts on this one, Alex?
1: Yeah, I thought this was really good. It was like you said, it was an interesting match where Shingo is usually your your power guy in his in his junior matches. And like Will Ospreay, like we were talking about earlier, it's been interesting to see his transition into the heavyweight division, where he's still going with that power style that he's having to work in a slightly different way with bigger opponents. And this was a really good example of that, where you have a really big opponent in Jeff Cobb, uh, who is also, as you said, a power guy. And how is he going to work his style against someone with a very similar style. And I think it it worked quite well. Um, the match itself was really good, which, I don't know, when you see these names against each other, you think, yes, it's going to be really good. And it was. But for Jeff Cobb, I'm a little bit, not surprised, but I'm happy that he had a good match here because so far his matches have been... I don't know, not... They haven't really stood out too much no. so far. Which is a bit of a shame, because when he was first announced for the G1, I was pretty excited to see what he'd do, because, you know, going back throughout his career, especially in Lucha Underground, he was really fantastic, and it it seemed like he would be the perfect, the perfect guy to fit in this kind of environment. And... It hasn't really completely clicked. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is, to be honest, but I was happy that here it it worked and he had this really good match with Shingo. Uh, and yeah, I think it that was basically it. It was a nice mix of style, of similar styles, which worked quite well together. And Jeff Cobb gets the win. I was expecting Shingo to do a little better in this tournament. But I guess he's still, I guess the story is he's still not quite there in terms of matching up with the heavyweights, and so that explains it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, I think it was pretty, just pretty good for what it was. I think Jeff Cobb's take a little while to settle down in this tournament and have the matches he wants to. I think it might be nerves or just something a bit different. He doesn't seem like the same guy he was six months ago when he was wrestling with Osprey for the Never Openweight Championship and things like that. It seems a bit more subdued, and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah I'm, just... I'm,
1: I'm hoping if he, if he works more regularly for New Japan going forward, then he will get more comfortable and he'll be able to have those big performances again. Because I think, really, he is a guy who would work well with a lot of the people on their roster.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right then, next Block B match. The Sublime Master Thief takes John Moxley's undefeated record and stuffs it quite firmly in the toilet. By taking a win in five minutes and eight seconds by taping his leg to show to Umino's leg, and the three-legged race was not fast enough for John Moxley, he loses a very entertaining match, as all of Jano's matches have been in this year's G1 Climax. Um, and it kind of takes the pressure off all the others, but you have got a lot of people on six points, including Torriano, and that could mean Torriano's in the final of the G1 Climax tournament. Wouldn't that be lovely, Alex?
1: He's still in play. And yeah. Yes, that is, that is the final we all want, isn't it? It's Toriano versus Okada. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean,
1: this match was really—I mean, it was the best match of the tournament. No, uh, I'm, I'm joking, but it was really, really <laughs> fun. Um, and this was one of the ones I was more interested to see when, uh, when the blocks were announced and when Moxley was announced for this tournament, um, because he was very, very vocal in saying when he left WWE that the thing he really, really hated was all the goofy stuff, all the comedy stuff they had him do. Uh, and he wanted to be a more serious wrestler and all that. So coming into this, I was like, right, are we going to see serious, violent John Moxley? Or are we going to see a bit of that, a bit of the more sort of comedy stuff that he did in WWE, which we did and i was happy that we did because it worked really well um i mean they they played into the the joke from the uh previous shows um tag match between the two where yano tried to sell Moxley the dvd and moxley <sighs> actually bought it from him and he went and yes. he got shooter to uh borrow money from the ring announcer to buy the dvd and then yano rolled him up and then ran away with the money and with the dvd um (laughs) absolute a class businessman um but yeah they start off the match here with yano brings out the dvd he's like oh no it's a present for you he's like and moxie's like it's not a present i already bought it he's like no 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 opens it up and there's ten thousand yen in the dvd case I like the little pullbacks like that and it worked really well. And then you have your classic Yano match where you can tell that Moxley's a guy who he's watched enough New Japan to know the characters and to know who does what and to know the spots and stuff like that. Because he he did it in the Naito match. He played into Naito's stuff perfectly. And he did it again here where all of the classic Yano spots... Uh, Moxley knew exactly what to do and exactly how to play it because you can tell that he's been watching this for a while he knows who Yano is he knows what Yano does and he had an idea in his head of right this is how I will approach a match with Toriyano and it worked really well I think the finish is I mean we say this every year the creativity for Yano's matches is always what really stands out where he finds these really fun interesting ways to sneak a win and i think this is one of his best yet i mean this really tops everything where he gets taped to where moxley gets taped to his young boy and can't get back (laughs) in the ring It, it was a really good use of of shota rumino and the sort of the the story they've been telling with him and moxley and I thought it was especially funny, uh, Rocky Romero's commentary on it, where afterwards he's like, well, why did Shota let him down? He should have cut off his leg. He should have done something (laughs) to make sure (laughs) Loxley got back in the ring. It's all Ubinos' fault. Uh, I just thought it was really well done. Yeah, I really, really liked this match. Um, As I have done for most of Yano's matches, they're always just fun.
0: I would also point out it plays into the storyline of the guys who are ultra intense and take themselves too seriously, like NATO and Moxley, don't know how to deal with Yarno. And someone like Juice Robinson, who's just dealing with everything with a level head, being calm and making good decisions, is the guy that beats Yarno. He's yeah. not living on the emotions anymore. He's living off good decisions and being as tough as he possibly can be and being pretty heartless. And he did go and shake Yano's hand afterwards. But you know, he did the, the, those guys, the Yanos and the Cubs, are the ones who can. Sorry, the Cubs and the Juice Robinsons are the ones who can deal with Yano. But the guys who live on with their hearts and their sleeves can't beat Yano.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a a good analysis there. Where yeah, those guys. I, I guess we'll see it as well with um, Ichi at the weekend in his match with Yano. Now he plays it because he's another one of those guys who takes himself very seriously. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. That your guys like your juices that you know in the past have lent more to that comedy stuff do well with it. I mean, you saw it earlier this year in the New Japan Cup where cole Cabana and Tara Yano had a really great match, yeah, and got the win because he was able to play Yano at his own game.
0: So, the next matchup was and Nato, he defeated Juice Robinson in 13 minutes and 47 seconds, six points each. Naito did not have a good start to this tournament. Juice Robinson's had a cracking start to this tournament. But it's weird that they both end up on six points because the story of them going in opposite directions. And I was kind of hoping Juice would win this to have a cracker Intercontinental Championship, but I think he's got his mind set on John Moxley. What's your thoughts about this one, Alex?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's been sort of opposite stories for each of these guys. I mean, Naito started off on a really a cold streak and he's now... I mean, he's in must-win mode for the rest of the tournament. If he loses a match, he's out of the G1. And so I guess that's that's why it makes sense that he did get the win here. Because, I mean, I, I at least have him pegged as a finalist for this G1. And so I see him just winning everything from now on. Um, mm. But yeah, it would have been nice to see Juice get sort of elevated up into that IC title division. Maybe that happens anyway because he has been on a really good run recently since, you know, the haircut and the changing character are becoming a lot more serious. He's been having some really, really great matches. This wasn't necessarily one of them. I think there were, there were bits of this that were good. And I liked Naito sort of making fun of Juice throughout, you know, copying the Juice chant and stuff like that, and sort of mocking him a bit. But I don't know, it was... It was it was one of those matches that was fine but I think could have been better. I think both guys may have seen this as a little bit of an off night and just sort of you know, we'll, we'll take it a little bit easier here because we've both got some bigger matches coming up because you've got Juice's match with Moxley coming up which is basically what he's been aiming for the entire G1 is that match with Moxley where I think he will get his redemption win there and that's what will take that's what will take Naito into the finals is moxley losing to juice later on um yeah i mean it was fine um and it'll be yeah interesting to see if the stories continue if naito does win out throughout the whole rest of the tournament and whether juice continues is sort of starting off hot but now getting a bit mixed and on a bit of a, a losing streak going forward
0: yeah i, I agree with you i think I think Juice's focus is Moxley and that's what King of Pro Wrestling is going to be about. Moxley versus Juice again. That would be something I want to see, a rejuvenated Juice. And NATO go into the final, maybe against Okada and maybe defeating Okada or what I think is more preferable is Okada winning the G1 to go to the main event, picking his opponent and picking NATO because he knows he can beat him.
1: Yeah, I mean, so those are the two, the two sort of... Um finals I've got in my head are either Naito and Ibushi with Naito getting the win or like you said Naito and Okada with Okada getting the win and doing what you said about picking Naito as an opponent
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: then at Wrestle Kingdom Naito upsets him and wins the title and sort of sort of shows Okada up as you know you shouldn't have underestimated me kind of thing
0: yeah yeah i think thinking that's kind of a very New Japan story to tell. But we'll see. We will definitely see. All right, we can stop there. Cool. Indeed. Right then, we move on to the next match. Now, taking the people who will take liberties at the earliest opportunities, Jay White defeats Tai Chi in 15 minutes and seven seconds of just cheating. There was just cheating left, right and centre in this. That's all there was. It was yeah, an entire it, match built around cheating.
1: It was absolute masterclass in shithousery.
0: <laughs> it was just awful people doing awful things to each other and having an awful time whilst doing it it was that for 15 minutes and it couldn't happen to two worse blokes
1: I thought it was fun though and I've, I've been <laughs> impressed with tai Chi in this tournament he's for me at least he's, he's done really well he's really stepped up his game to, to have some good performances which you wouldn't expect from him uh, and in this match, it was weird to see him be the de facto babyface in a match. <laughs> like, come like... <laughs> on, working from underneath, doing the underdog babyface thing.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: it was weird, but it worked and he played it well. And by the end of the match, the crowd was going crazy for Chi, wanting him to get the win. I mean, he teased the Black Mephisto at, at one point and everyone was like, oh yes, come on Chi. It was just weird, but it was good. Um, there was one spot in here I didn't like, though. Uh, What's that? Where earlier on in the match you had Gado grab Mihoabe by the hair and sort of drag her yeah. around and bring some by the hair. That was a little bit too far, in my opinion.
0: Um, yeah. Especially yeah,
1: I... when when Miho Abe, she's not a wrestler. She's not anyone. She's not someone who's, you know known for being sort of physically involved in matches it would be different if it was you know a female wrestler who happened to manage Tai Chi as well and you knew that she you know theoretically could fight back but with Miho she's you know she's presented as this completely untrained innocent bystander it seems a bit I don't know it's a bit too close to the mark for me for her to yeah. be...
0: I think I think as well is because Tai Chi's character is essentially emotionally abusive towards Miho. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we understand that and that's I think that's okay because we know Tai Chi gets his comeuppance on a regular basis, but it's it's portrayed in the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas this was not portrayed in the right way at all. But then they could have done it without any physical contact. Jedi could you just browbeated her into a corner yeah, and bullied exactly. her no. you don't exactly. need to drag people around by the hair to do that. Exactly. Um and... you could have just had him
1: threatening it and maybe shouting at her or something but not actually grabbing her. I don't know. It was just yeah. Like, yeah. It
0: was it was um yeah, it, I mean, it was alright. I mean, this match was okay, and I quite agree with you on that particular front. But again, it was kind of safe fun. None of them did ridiculous spots, and they were still over. And the work Jay White has put in to be the most hated man in the company and is quite easily now the most hated man in the company is really quite remarkable and shows down to his work ethic that he's had for the last 12 months.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's really he's picked up over the the past year. I mean, we were saying uh, in last year's G1 that he. He was getting there in terms of the character and everything he was getting there in terms of understanding how to work things, but he wasn't quite there yet and I think over the past year he's worked really hard and now, at this point, he really does get what his character's meant meant to do. He really gets how he's meant to play things, and he's putting on some really good performances because of it he's like you said he's really found his place as the sort of the, the mega heel in the company.
0: Mm. Right then, we move on to the main event of the evening, which is Hiroki Goto defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 18 minutes and 1 seconds in a bit of a barn burner. These two big uh, studs banging into each other for 20 minutes is really something a sight to see. And this was plays back into what we were saying earlier. Ishii always tries to drag the best out of his stablemates, whether he's wrestling Osprey or Akada or Yoshihashi. And Goto is a guy he really clearly enjoys wrestling, but he always wants the best out of Goto. And the fact that Goto has come into this tournament charged up and reinvigorated was really a good thing to see for Ishii, because Ishii took it to him for 18 minutes, and this was a hell of a story to play. Ishii has been outstanding in this particular tournament. In fact, I would argue he's been the best wrestler in this tournament. Um, And quite frankly, he could say he's the best wrestler in the world right now um it's not that Okada hasn't been very very good he's been outstanding as well but he kind of has quietly gone on with things and hasn't it's just had spectacular matches and we kind of expect it from Ishii sorry expect it from Okada barishi has been on another level and his love affair with the G1 he quite clearly loves the month of July because he gets to do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it for a month with some of the best wrestlers in the world and this was another example of that um but yeah what are your thoughts on this one Alex?
1: Yeah, this was really great, and like you said, Ishii has been just outstanding throughout the entire tournament. I think, yeah, I think I'd agree that he is the the MVP of the whole tournament so far. Just every match he has has been outstanding, and we say that every year for him in the G One, he's just been great the whole way through. And this is another example of that where you have two really like strong, hard hitting guys, like you said, two balls banging against each other, and. It worked really well, as it always does. Um I especially like the sort of underlying story of... Obviously, they're both chaos guys, but Goto has been wearing that LA Dojo shirt throughout the tournament rather than any chaos representation. And you have the sort of underlying story of Ishii, you know, challenging that and being like, right, well, you're meant to be one of our guys. Why are you... Why are you trying to pair up with these other people? You're meant to be a chaos guy. And sort of fighting him again about that, I thought it worked well, and I, I, it added another level to this match. Um, Goto, he's, again, he's picked things up in this tournament. He's, he started off a little slow, but I think he started, especially with this performance, he's really gotten into a groove. And again, he's another guy where we always say in the G1, Goto's really great, why don't they do more of Goto? And then as soon as they mm. get out of the G one, he's back to the mid card doing not much of anything. Um If this was the Goto we got month by month, I think he could be doing really great things. But I dunno. We'll see where it's... they go. Again, we say it all the time, but we'll see where they go with things after the tournament's over.
0: I mean, he's strip weight, and he's looking a lot better than he was, and he's wrestling a lot tighter than he was, and he's going back and doing some old moves that he hasn't done for a while. He looks refreshed. He looks like he's really tried, and yeah. it's been interesting to see him evolve in this tournament, certainly.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, he's brought back some old moves. He's hit, he's hit the Shazen Kai a few times. He's also introduced a couple of new moves as well. Like, mm. is it, like a, what is it a combination GTR cross with an Ushiguroshi, which looks really cool? Um, yeah. so yeah I mean I, I hope this is the start of something bigger for him because he's a guy that I really like and that uh, I think could do a lot more uh, And this match was a really good example of that where both guys really showed what they can do they had a really hard hitting match it was a, a classic New Japan match one of those ones where it's just two guys going at each other beating the hell out of each other and it was just it was a lot of fun it was really good
0: just going back to what we were saying earlier now we've wrapped up with our actual tournament coverage the first Englishman to appear in a New Japan tournament was Tony Charles and he wrestled in the 1977 World League uh, in April to May in 1977 so he was the first Englishman in a New Japan tournament the first Englishman in an All Japan tournament was the late great Billy Robinson who finished fourth in the 1982 Championship candle.
1: Nice There you go. A little bit of a
0: historical fact for you. Yeah, that was run from March to April. Uh, You did notice that every year that All Japan would run their tournament at a different time to New Japan because they're not silly. They want to make money. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it makes sense. But there you go. Um, That covers us for the G1 Climax coverage for today. This is going out probably on Sunday morning. We will have a show for you tomorrow, uh, on Monday, uh, because we're going to be covering Sendai Girls from Manchester, which I attended. And uh, John Dinsdale, who has done some podcasts with us in the past, which have yet to be released, and probably won't for a while because this one's going to happen, uh, was there too. So we're going to talk about Sendai I so we'll have a regular show on Monday. It's Triple Mania this weekend. We will try and get that reviewed for you this week as well. But something else we wanted to talk about, we're probably going to try and do a special episode before the end of the week if we can, because yesterday we lost the great Harley race, eight times NWA heavyweight champion. And I think he would have appreciated a match like Goto versus Ishii. That was his kind of thing. Big bumps, hard hits. That was Harley. No one was tougher. No one was meaner. No one was better than Harley Race. And I think all of us at the show would like to pay tribute to the great man himself. So we will try and get you a Harley Race tribute show as soon as we possibly can. But in the meantime, rest in peace, Harley Race. Well, thank you very much for listening to our show today. My name is James and You can find me at Sheriff Star on Twitter. You can find Alex Edwards at Alex underscore Edwards underscore. Thank you for your time, sir.
1: No worries. And I'm hoping to come back on later in the tournament and talk a bit more about this because it's been a really good one so far this year.
0: It has. The daft thing is, whenever I do the tags, there is someone else I follow who's Alexandria Edwards, who runs her name as Alex Edwards on Twitter. She is a PhD. I can't remember what she is, but she does do some wrestling stuff, but she's a PhD somewhere. And so every time I put your name up, this woman comes up. as (laughs) Maybe there's a a connection
1: there somewhere.
0: Maybe there is. But you work in higher education as well. So maybe one day you'll come across her. It's true. Yes. Uh, Anyway, uh, you can listen to us on the podcast. You can go back on our archive. There will be a telling stories this week, uh, continuing the story of the fabulous Royal Brothers the greatest British tag teams of all time. There will also be a Joe from, um, that'll be Dara and uh, the telling stories. <laughs> okay, right. That'll be Dara O'Connor. And of course the wrestling rewind as soon as he gets something sorted this week. And thank you very much for listening to us. You can find us at Troopini Show on Twitter, on the Troopini Show on Facebook and at the Troopini Show on Patreon where you keep us free forever for everyone. There will be a new edition of Indie Empire, our sponsors that will be out soon. There will be a Joey Ryan slash Joshy special coming from the guys at Indie Empire magazine. And, of course, you can find out from our code on uh, powerslam.tv if you use the code MULLETWATCH. You get a free month from their yearly subscription where you can watch loads of wrestling, including Sendai Girls, by the way, and Progress and a bunch of other people as well. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for listening to us. Take care. And we'll see you soon. Bye.